This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody, it is Thursday, I am Ben, I'm joined by Gary Alright uh, and this is episode 10 of the Stacey West podcast. Um, I would ask how Gary's doing, but I have a reputation for being the sweary one on the podcast, and I feel it may be surpassed if I actually ask, but uh, <laughs> I'll risk it. H- how you doing, mate? I, I'm, I'm not I'm not overly happy this week, unfortunately. I think there's um, we could fill three hours with talking um, and, and still probably not reach a happy conclusion. So I think there's a lot of meat for us to get stuck into, and I don't think there's an awful lot of positives. So shall we just say three points clear, top of the table? Let's get the positives out of the way first. <laughs> it's not often you can do that, is it? You know, let's get the positives out of the way first, and now let's go in for a massive rant. Yeah, um, we're the best team in the division, still over 15 games. Now let's get now let's kick off a bit. Yeah, I I mean obviously that is the you know that is the headline at the moment with Lincoln are still uh 3 points clear at the top of league 2. Um but it doesn't really tell the whole story. Uh when you look at the the two games that we've seen over the uh, over the past sort of 5 days or so. Um I mean we'll start with Cambridge because why not it you know it was the the first game of the of the week. Um at what point do we start with Cambridge? I mean, we might as well start with with Reedy's goal. Um, I, you know, like you say, we'll start with the positives. Um, I thought Reedy's goal was was a, a fantastic move. Um, you know, the the awareness of Andrade to pick up that loose ball from the mistake, um, and then the the pace that he showed to get down the you know to get down the wing. He delivered a cross that I can only describe as pinpoint. Um, and then it, you know, really did exactly what he needed to do, guided it over the keeper and into the back of the net. Now, um, it, it was the perfect start, 
really, wasn't it? it? It sort of it set the game up really nicely. Yeah, it was a really good goal. I thought, um, as is the case with with both games this week, um, I think we we started relatively positively. Andrade is just a menace. Um, he, he obviously terrifies fullbacks. It was a good cross. It was typical Reedy on on the spot, right place, right time. Um, it seems like an awful long while ago now. Just as you were describing it there, I was kind of thinking back going, wow, quite a lot's happened since then. Yeah, I do remember us taking a 1-0 lead against Cambridge and me thinking this could be 4 or 5 because they looked shocking. They were all over the place at the back. Um, and then we gifted them away back in. And I think what's frustrating is Scott Wharton's played at Cambridge. And I, I like Scott Wharton, but I, I, if, if, if his mum's listening to this, turn off now um, because... He was to blame for me for the Cambridge goal because a player that he knew had a wicked left foot, um, he just left him on his left foot. I mean, it's for me, it's a basic. Um, and, the, you know, there's other factors. I'm not blaming Scott particularly for that. But, you know, I know for a fact that it was mentioned um, to the team in the warm-up, um, in the build-up to the game. It was one of the points that was highlighted. And, you know, it's we've gifted them away back into the game, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, you know, let's not let's take nothing away from that strike because it is it is an absolute peach of a goal. Um, and to be honest, at that point, I'm sat there thinking. Recently, the only times I've been really worried about conceding a goal is is when a wonder goal has been scored, or you know, a um, or a penalty. Because obviously, the two goals at Vale, the free kick was absolutely, you know inch perfect in terms of sticking it in the top corner and um, we conceded a penalty and, and you know the, the goal was scored there um, and then that goal was well it's a thunderbolt isn't it you know straight from you know comes off his left foot and just cannons into the top of the net um, preventable and at that, well yes the, it is preventable yeah. you go to Swindon last year Ollie Banks I think whipped a shot in that was very similar and it's preventable and I, I just don't think that um I don't know where the problem is. I don't know whether it was the centre-backs not coming out and and picking him up quick enough. I don't know whether it's the defensive midfielders dropping in and and closing down. But And it's not just the Cambridge game. All too often in the last couple of weeks, we've seen players from opposition teams with a lot of time, 20 to 30 yards from goal. And that was that's what you get, unfortunately. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, I think, you know, it is a fair point. Um, I think my... My frustration at that is is matched, you know, is only really matched by the the amazement of the, the, you know the quality of the strike. I think if you've got um, if you've got a player like you say with, with a wicked left foot like that, you do need to try and show him onto his right or or cut down the angles a little bit. Um, unfortunately, you know, it went in and it, you know, I I do remember sitting there in my um, you know in my seniors going, actually, that's not a bad strike at all um but unfortunately you know 21 minutes in we all know what happens next um now there has been so much debate on social media about this that i'm i'm sick to the back teeth of talking about it but i am in you know complete agreement with danny um about what happened Uh, i think you watch that footage back ellis chapman goes to play the ball the guy, from, you know, the Cambridge player slides in underneath him. As soon as Ellis realizes he's missed it, he's trying to withdraw his foot. He's trying to take his foot away from it. There's a crack of boot on shin pad, and the referee runs over to him and gives him the red card. Now, 
I'm fairly certain I know exactly what you're going to say and that it's, you know, you've got the same view of it as I have as well. But, I mean, that that robbed everybody in the ground of, of a game. You know, we've, we pay, well, you know, we paid for my season ticket. That is essentially about 5% of my season ticket, if not more. You know, we've got, I, I've spent good money on going to watch football and we've been denied a decent afternoon's football by a tosser that cannot, you know, he, just, he doesn't read that properly. Like, And yes, the, the, the still image looks really bad. Yes, it looks really bad in slow motion. But you know what? If I take a photograph of somebody driving a taxi as they blink and I send that to the, you know, to the Sun newspaper and say, I've got a photograph of somebody, you know, he's driving a taxi and he's asleep. It, it's, it doesn't tell the whole story by a long way. And it, it pissed me off no end because, of course, you know, you're in the ground as soon as it goes on. As soon as that happens, it starts going on, you know, it starts getting recorded off iFollow and circulated on social media. And we were just stood in the stands, like several people crowded around phones, just looking at it going, what's he done that for? Why has he sent him off? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I want to get your thoughts down on it, but I know exactly where you're going to come from. So your take on that incident. Um. I, I, I'm like you. I'm, I'm sick of talking about it. Um, it wasn't a red card. Um, I'm still absolutely certain of that. Um, it, but it doesn't change the fact that the referee sent him off. It doesn't change the fact that uh, we went down to 10 men, that we probably could have won a game. Let's not take anything away from Cambridge. Very good players. Rather ironically, Derek, Gary Deegan, I think he's one of the most booked players in the division who is the one who was apparently on the receiving end of the tackle. But there's a still photograph pen and the still photograph proves everything. And, the, you know, all those amateur referees out there. And I mean, I took a, a right welly in and there was one guy, I'm not going to mention him on air. I've, I've mentioned him on Twitter. Um, we fell out ages ago over uh fans player scheme. He was critical of the fans player scheme and he's been waiting and lurking like a, um, like a hidden World War II bomb. And he's seen my blog this week and decided to, to come back out the woodwork and tell me to stick to writing what I know about, um, which is amazing because apparently he doesn't read my stuff. Um, but no, he's an amateur referee and there's plenty of them out there. Um, football's a game of opinion. If the tackle was against us and I'd seen the slow motion footage and I hadn't had the benefit of, and I'm going to name drop here, hadn't had the benefit of talking directly to Danny um, since the incident, there is a possibility that... I would, I'd, I'd still be unhappy with it being overturned. Um, I can see why he was sent off. I can see why the people who believe it's a horror tackle believe it's a horror tackle. I can't understand why people that believe it was a tackle feel the need to berate or belittle people who feel that it was a, a red card. And on the other, you know, on the flip side, I, I, I don't berate anybody who believes it's a red card. I've not gone on and said, yeah, what you thinking? What game were you watching? Um, but he's not. He's gone in to pass it. That lad slid underneath. He's poked the ball away. Foot on shin pad. It's not a red card. Game's gone. Simple as that. And I, there's a, a, a listener called um, Pete Summers, a good friend of mine, a uh, Manchester United season ticket holder, comes to watch Lincoln whenever he can. Uh, he rang me and said, um, has it been overturned? I said, no. And that was all he said. Just Game's gone. And it has. Game's gone. If that's a red card, um, I well, if that's a red card, we should have seen one last night. We should have seen one against Port Vale. We'd see one every single week. And mm. the standard of refereeing on that occasion wasn't good enough. And I don't want to be overly critical of referees because they have a hard job. They're part-time. So Neil Hare, 
no, it was last night, wasn't it? I get all the clowns mixed up. They all look the same. Um, <laughs> Lee Collins, you know, Lee Collins has done a hard work, week's work, postman or selling insurance or whatever he does. And he rocks up on a Saturday afternoon. He's traveled a long way. It's like Danny says, referees need to be professional. And while we have part-time referees, we get unprofessional refereeing performances. Simple as that. Yeah, I, it's it's a it's a decision that still baffles me in a way. I mean, you know, you're um, I'm, I'm going to draw attention to it because I I think a lot of what was said in it is spot on. Your your open letter to the FA is um, is you know, in my opinion, it was a fair piece. Um, yes, it was written in in frustration and in anger, but what do people expect? You know, you, we've just had we we've just watched a game where a, a decision's been made that has you know for for all intents and purposes that's cost us potentially three points i'm not going to say we definitely would have come away and won it but you know it, it's cost us a bloody good opportunity to to get you know a few more points on the board and, and potentially pull away from from what is shaping up to be a, a strong or you know a, a difficult league um also cost us was was bozzy's miss of course in the first half yeah. Um, after the sending off, so yeah, I'm, I'm again. I'm not going to come on the pod and, and kind of say the referee has cost us the game. He's he's cost us the game we paid to watch as supporters, which is eleven versus eleven. That is is what he's cost us. I can't, you know, like you've just said, it would be conjecture to say that we would have won it or not won it. And there were other incidents through the game um, that he also got horribly wrong. You know, there was a clear cut penalty on one of their boys, absolute clear cut penalty, which he didn't mm. give. So we could have lost the game as well. The point I'm making about referees and I, I've, I, you know, we're 11 minutes in and I know that we're going to have another, the same rant on the subject in, in six or seven minutes time. But the point is um, that they're just ruining the game of football. And Cambridge fans could have gone away just as aggrieved as us. They were probably happy to get a point at the leaders, but it's it's just baffling. It's not it's not a case of win losing or drawing. It's a case of football fans wanting to watch a football game that's officiated in a fair, even, and consistent manner. The three weeks on the bounce now, we haven't or three games on the bounce, we haven't had that. Starting with Huxtable, um, who was was woeful, worse than Lee Collins against Cambridge. Huxtable was worse at Port Vale, but because we won, we didn't complain. And you know that's that's something that we should need that we should look at. Me and you, mainly on the pod, you know, we we should be heavily. Were we heavily critical? I can't. Actually I think remember. we were. I think yeah. we were. I think we, we, you know, we obviously mentioned yeah. the the Freck incident, and we we did say a couple of other bits as well. But yeah. um, I think the interesting thing there you say about it is the Cambridge fans feel aggrieved. I, as I was walking away from the ground, um, there was a, a few Cambridge fans sort of kind of. I mean, one of them sort of stopped dead in the middle of the road and, and had his phone out. I was like, "What's he looking at?" As I walked past, I saw that he was watching the 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 um, the, the incident with Ellis, and. You know, a couple of fans around me just sort of looked at me and said, that's never a red card. I went, yeah, absolutely, it never is. Um, and the guy sort of, you know, the, the guy who was watching it, he said, oh, to be fair, that is really harsh. And then mm. there was a, a, a girl that was with him and she goes, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, let's all believe the Lincoln fan. I went, well, have you seen it? It's not a red card. And she goes, yeah, we should have had a penalty. I went, yeah, you should have done. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the red card. Like, it's, it, you know... Somebody just wanted to start an argument because I said it wasn't a red card and they brought up a different incident that I actually agreed with them on. Like, you can happily... For me, I'm happy to sit here and say, you know, against Cambridge, we got away with a penalty. And against, you know, against Carlisle last night, we got away with a penalty. But 
the other decisions in that game, there were there were so many other decisions that, that just completely inconsistent and completely, you know, just wrong. Like from from every possible angle, it's a wrong, you know, it's an incorrect decision, um, and it just winds me up. And I think the thing that you mentioned that I, you know I just want to touch on briefly is it's this it's almost this glee on you know on social media of, of somebody. Um, uh, you know, some people that, that pick apart on, you know, they go, right, okay, I've got this opinion and I'm going to stick to it now. And, you know, it is absolutely 100% definitely a red card. Ellis is lucky to not have broken his leg, all the rest of it. And you just think, right, okay, well, I disagree with you on that one. So let's have a discussion about it. And then, of course, the red card, red card gets upheld. And people are almost celebrating because one of our players is suspended, but that means that they've been proven right on social media, you know, on an internet forum with a bunch of randoms that happen to watch the same football matches as them. It's like, just, just grow up and focus on the team. Like that That's the thing that really is pissing me off about this whole situation at the moment. And it's also pissing me off about a situation that we'll come to, uh, I think, in questions, but we'll, you know, I'm, I'm purposely avoiding that conversation until we get to questions so we can have a discussion about it. But... um. <sighs> Yeah, you know, we came away from Cambridge um, having having gotten a point that Danny in his post-match interview, post-match interview says, yeah, it's a good point. It is a good point given the circumstances. But, you know, we said last week we should be, we should, really should be coming away with six points from the next two games. And we've come away with two. Um, the reason we've come away with two, I mean, is there anything you want to say on, on you know, to wrap up Cambridge before we, we move into into the Carlisle game? or No, I've no intention of talking about anything that happened after 21 minutes against Cambridge. Cool. Okay. That's, yeah, I think that's fair. Could I just give a shout out to uh, the Reverend Robert Townsend, who I bumped into prior to Carlisle, who actually said that he didn't think there was too much swearing on the podcast. So um, hopefully, Robert, you'll agree by the time we finish this one. <laughs> so yeah, and there will actually be, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to dedicate a certain amount of time um, to, you know, the the sweary, you know, the, the sweary minute or the sweary, you know, the sweary section. So I'll, I'll put the timestamp in there. So if people are easily offended, they can skip past the uh, the section. And you know, but um, I think that's probably coming up to be honest because uh, we're going to talk about the Carlisle game um, now. We'll start at the end. Um, with with Danny's post match interview because I have never in three years of him being at this club I have never seen Danny Cowley angry um, in public you know in in a public forum obviously you know he, he jumps them down and, and rants and raves when he's playing the game but or when you know when he's when he's in the dugout but he was he was furious wasn't he last night. Oh, yeah. And in my opinion, rightly so. Um, And not because it was the same for both teams and not because he's making excuses, but because as the manager of this football club, he formulates a method by which to win matches and he he formulates a style of play by which to win matches. And then all week they prepare for the eventuality of winning the football match using the method by which they have prepared. And if somebody is then to blame for that breaking down and it isn't him and it is something that we can control, he's every right to be angry. And 
I know people will say, oh, it was the same for both teams, or they'll say it was just water on the pitch and it doesn't mask a bad performance. No, it doesn't. You're right. Um, here's my turn. We, we were shit in periods last night. We were really, really poor. Um, some of it may have been because the pitch wasn't greased. Some of it was because one or two of our players didn't perform particularly well. And some of it is because of another factor we'll talk about. Um, but... Every single minute of every single day, Danny is planning to win a football match. And if that includes the pitch being greased before the game and at half time, then it should be greased before the game and half time. And I, I just find it ridiculous. And to see him that angry, he finds it ridiculous too. Um, you know, I mean, we've seen, I, I watched Mark Wiley's press conference with him. And I must admit, I don't always watch the Echo press conferences, just to, I find it fiddly to get on the site. But I wanted to see it. And, you know, you didn't get an idea of how seething he was. And I felt a bit let down by Radio Lincolnshire. I'm sorry, Rob, because I, I don't know if Rob listens to us or not. But I just didn't feel there was probing questions after the game. It was almost like, wow, Danny's angry. We'd, we'd better not kind of poke the lion a little bit too much. Because I wanted his opinion on the Kindy penalty. I wanted his opinion on the handball. Um, but no, at the end of the day, if we're planning to win football matches on a, on a watered pitch and it doesn't happen and somebody at the club is to blame for that, then something has to be, you know, as paying fans, we deserve to know, not particularly who, but we deserve to know what the retribution for that individual is because they let us all down. 10,000 people let down last night because someone didn't turn on a fucking tap. Yep, yeah, I mean that's the first uh, the first one. Um, we'll you know, see if we can put a swear counter in as well. But um, yeah, it, it's a ridiculous situation. And I think from what, from what we managed to, you know, glean from the interviews, because I also watched the Echo one, because I thought to myself, you know, I, I want, I want to see, because you know, a lot of the time with with Danny, sort of, it, it's kind of the same words in a slightly different package, but you could tell he was really rattled by what happened, and he was really struggling to get his words out without, you know, completely losing it, and I think. Some people are saying, "Oh, he's overreacting," or you know, it's, like you say, it's the same for both teams. But, but yeah, like the the team, if they've practiced, you know, if they've trained for this match, and the pitch has been in a certain condition, and it's a factor that we can control, that's what they're expecting. And mm-hmm. for somebody, you know, from from what it sounded like on the you know on the interviews, it sounded like Danny was being reassured by somebody. You know, was, they were saying before kickoff, it's like, yeah, it'll be ready. You know, it'll be, it'll be, they'll be on before kickoff. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then while they're in the dressing room, it's like, yep, yeah, don't worry. It'll be sorted. It'll be sorted. It'll be ready. It'll be fine. During the warm up for the second half, you know, the, the team are back in the, the dressing room. And he's being told again, it'll be fine. If somebody's fucked up, you tell somebody. Like, you don't try and sugarcoat it and say, oh, it's fine. And then just flap behind the scenes and try and get it fixed. You know, you know, if, if if there's a problem, you sort it out and you own up to it. And the you know for me the the problem is is that there's there's been Danny expects professionalism and he expects the best from everybody at every single point on game day you know and and throughout you know whether they're training whether they're on you know whether they've got a match whether something is happening Danny expects professionalism at any point. And it seems like there was a, a break in communication or a breakdown somewhere last night where something didn't happen and somebody, it, to me, it sounds like somebody was trying to cover their ass when they really didn't have a leg to stand on. I agree. 
I, I think also I'm 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 going to just make a pledge now that I won't swear for the rest of the podcast because you know I don't want to kind of ruin the listeners' enjoyment if they are easy on the ears. So um, don't be fooled into thinking that all Danny's anger was about the water because he never mentioned the referee. And I truly believe that Danny's anger was a build up of the ridiculous situation of only having six substitutes, uh, the ridiculous situation with the water, the patently absurd refereeing decisions and wholly inept um, outing from from the man in the middle throughout. And of course, the fact these players let him down because three or four of them simply weren't at the races and all of that anger combined. And I think it came out in the one thing that he believed could have been controlled, uh, you know, because he can't control his players when they're out on the pitch, can't control the referee, um, you, you know, but you can con- you can't control anything other than water on the pitch, and I think that's why he got so angry about that one thing. Yeah, I, I you know that you, you've you've hit it on the head there. You've said you're not going to swear anymore. I'm going to get all of my ranting done in 30 seconds. So if you are easy, you know, if if you if you want an easy listening podcast, just just skip ahead for 30 seconds, and I'm going to have just a little bit of a blowout because I've been needing to get this out since the final whistle last night. So. Yeah, skip ahead. But the referee was a fucking disgrace. The, the the fact that you know, like you say, six substitutes because we couldn't feel a homegrown player. What the fuck's all that about? Why is that suddenly a rule this year? I'd like to say thank you to the absolute bell end who rugby tackled me at the end of the game as I was trying to walk down some fucking stairs, and then had the audacity to turn around to me and say, "Oh, we've all got to get out of ground, mate." Just oh, last night was one of the most fucking annoying moments in my. In, you know, in in my history of supporting Lincoln City, and we drew. We didn't even lose. <laughs> you know, and then you come home and you just see, like, again, we'll talk about this in questions. But you see people slating one of one of the most talented footballers that we've bought in a long fucking time because he didn't score. And it's like, but no, he caused a really good save from their keeper. He ran in. He ran the channels. He put some really good passes together. He found a fucking shitload of space, and he he should have had a Stonewall penalty at the end. Your thirty seconds are up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like that's. Oh man, I've I've been sat on that all day. Well, I'll tell you what. While the steam comes out your ears, I'm, I'll, let's pick up on the referee last night. Um, and again, let's highlight the fact that we drew two two. We got a point. Um against a very good Carlisle side, uh, you know, with a centre-half at centre-back, with a pacey striker that we knew all about, um, who played narrow and deep and looked to defend and hit us on the break. Um, but we got a point anyway. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to kind of get angry. I'm just going to make a point that um, last night, Neil Hare ignored three penalties. Two were handballs, one for us, one for them. Yeah, you see them not given once in 20 times, maybe the other 19 times they're given fair enough. Uh, the tackle on John Akindi for me, I, I, I've no idea what planet a referee has to be on where he sees that, where he sees a, a goalkeeper take out a center forward. Um, and somebody said, Oh, well, John Akindi was jumping and the keeper jumped into him. So it's fair. How's it fair? It, he's run. He's actually run in straight into him. It's, it's a penalty. Mm. But at the end of the day, um, we still didn't do enough ourselves to win. We had 11 players on the pitch. We played badly. Um, Neil Hare's not a good referee. Uh, he's not a referee I want to see at the ground again. He got in the way of play at least twice. But, you know, I've written all this down. Yeah, four times. It was at least four times. 
I, yeah. and I, you know, it, to be honest, I, I half expected him at one point to pull off his, his black jersey and, hey, presto, there's the blue came, uh, Carlisle underneath. But again, it just points back to that, you know, had he been doing a day's work, he's had to take half an afternoon off. Then he comes to a ground where 10,000 fans are on his back after five minutes because they've seen a clown on Saturday ruin a game already. And, you, I, you know, they are only human. Maybe we, you know, it's a little bit of a shoot the messenger situation here. Don't, maybe we shouldn't be blaming the ref. Maybe we should be blaming the setup and the system. But you know, when I see 50 million pound transfers going through at the top level and I see championship sides paying 10 million pounds or whatever for players, and then I get told that, you know, for it cost 80k a year to put a full time referee in. 80k a year. Wow. Imagine that. Do you know what I mean? For the FA who are making, yeah, you know, with television deals worth billions floating around. And mm. I don't think there's a football league club that wouldn't be willing to put a five-figure sum of some description in if they could in order to fund a full-time referee or even a, a part-time referee that worked four days a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and, and on a Friday and a Monday was actually taught how to officiate a game. I, yeah. it, it baff, to be honest, it baffles me. And I'm not blaming it because I'm not blaming Neil Hare for the fact that we didn't win the game. I'm blaming our defence for that. Um, because you should score two goals at home, you should win a game. And we scored a great goal with Michael O'Connor. We scored a fortuitous goal uh, through Bruno Andrade. And we basically just, you know, it was Danny's birthday, not Carlisle's, not Ashley and Addison's, but we gave him two gifts last night that I bet he couldn't believe. Um, unreal, unreal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the problem for me was um, you watch that first goal. Um, it's a mistake from Reedy, but... I think you know you, you said it quite well. It's a mistake from Reedy, but you know you've got you've got a midfield and defenders that get taken out by two passes. They get completely carved wide open from from two simple passes, and you know the the, the Carlisle uh, um, the Carlisle forwards were unbelievably quick last night. I, I don't think I've seen two more pacey players at the, at the bank this season outside of, you know, um, Anderson and, and Andrade. They were frightening. Um, and I think the problem for me was that I didn't feel comfortable, you know, I didn't feel confident last night at any point when they had the ball. No. Um, we we missed Jason Shackle last night. We we really did. Um, the Whether it's a case of his experience or, or whatever, or, you know, it just, nothing felt right last night. Um, I did notice for the first sort of five, six minutes or so until shortly after the goal, it's it looked a little bit like um, Bozzy was playing on the left-hand side of the centre and, and Wharton was playing on the right. So I don't know whether there was some thinking behind that or whether they just sort of, whether I just kept looking at the wrong moments or whatever, but it it, it felt a little bit chaotic last night. And honestly, the, the number of times that Scott Wharton got the ball and held on to it and looked to play a pass while someone's closing him down and then he you know he passes it and it pings off the defender and goes out for a th- uh, sorry pings off the striker goes out for a throw in or goes back or you know somewhat luckily goes off to another player it the number of times that people in the, in our stand sucked in breath you know when 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 the ball kind of got when the ball went to Scott Wharton or when they they started attacking everyone just goes you know I'm genuinely surprised the ball didn't move at how, you know, at how much air was being sucked in by our stand last night. It was, um, you know, the first thing Danny said in his interview was, I've got to apologise for our defending. And I just thought, well, at least he knows, you know, he's not, 
he's not an idiot. He he knows that, and they they must have had a, a rocket put up him last night after the game because it took him a while to come out. Um, but oh dear me. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, we've mentioned Scott, and maybe I don't want to be entirely unfair because he didn't do everything wrong. He, you know, it wasn't a calamity performance. There was, you know, he won quite a few headers. And I thought he stuck at his task relatively well. But like you say, and it might be because of the water, but some of those balls that they were looking to ping and they weren't quite getting there. And, you know, we're going back to Josh Vickers and you, Josh is in a foot race with Nadison, Ashley Nadison. And, um, yeah, and that, Bozzy played one or two as well. And mm-hmm. again, I, I like Harry Toffolo going forward. I think he's got a lot of pace. Once or twice, I thought he was just, there was a little bit of space at the back and, we don't seem to put a tackle in when, when players are running at us. And mm. Carlisle were able to carry the ball from, from just inside the halfway line up until the up into the 18-yard area. And it'd be interesting to see the statistics on box entries last night um, because I felt mm. that there was too many. But we drew the game. All all this stuff. And I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to apologise to the listeners because me and you are not happy people because I think... Um, you know, like most Lincoln fans, we've seen two games that we know we should have won and we should keep some perspective. Could be worse. Could be Macclesfield getting beat 5-0 at home. Could be Grimsby celebrating a you know a win to take them up to 17th. Could be an awful lot worse. And maybe maybe we ought to get some perspective um, as, as kind of podcast broadcast type people. Um, but it's just angering, isn't it? Because I know full well that 99% of the time we go out against Carlisle last night and we win 2-1 or 3-0. And it's yeah. it's frustrating because he, even with the performance that we put in that wasn't good enough, we were still good enough to win the game had we not gifted the goal. And it was just unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I mean, the header from Wharton, you know, it's, if in doubt, kick it out. And, you know, instead he, his keepers do as much to blame. His keepers should have pointed for him to put it out as well. So, But I, look, I, I, I don't know about you. I just think we should perhaps move on from those two games. Yeah, I think it's, it's fair. I think the last thing I'm going to say on it is... It, they're two disappointing games, you know. If this is our if this is our blip in form, I'm happy to take points from it. You know, at, at the end of the day, like we said at the top of the you know top of the podcast, we're still top. We're still three points clear, so um, we will move on, of course, to Colchester United, which is the uh, the the upcoming game at the weekend. Um, I've had a I've had a quick look, and I think you know, similar to what we said about. Um, Similar to what we said about Carlisle, that they're a bit uh, they're a bit inconsistent at the moment, but they are picking up the points. You know, they, they don't seem to be losing games all that frequently. Um, although when they do, they seem to be they seem to be you know shipping quite a few goals. So it's yeah, it's certainly going to be a certainly going to be an interesting one on Saturday. Um, obviously, you know, we've, we've the obvious man to watch out for is is Norris, um, and then. It seems like there's a few players, you know, underneath that picking up goals as well. So, what's you know, what's your take on on Saturday, and and um, and how do you see, how do we think Danny's going to, you know, get the players to respond? Yeah, it's interesting. I think you said there that they don't seem to lose too many, but I think they've won three and lost three of the last six games. So they do appear to be wildly inconsistent. Um, I promised you a shock, didn't I, around this game? A little preamble. So. If my sources are correct, 
um, the first thing I checked was the ref- referee. Because when at the minute, when you preview in League Two games, it's impossible to give any sort of sensible preview without knowing who the man in the middle is. And the man in the middle this week, according to the FA website, as of six o'clock this evening, is Andrew Garrett. Now, here's the shock for you. Andrew Garrett has never refereed a professional football game. Andrew Garrett is an assistant referee and he has been a line. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just, just one second. That's me banging my head against my microphone. (laughs) Now it might be an error on, I've used two websites to check this and it might be an error. It might be that he's the assistant referee and they've, they've incorrectly labeled it as the referee. So, um, but yeah, brand new referee, according to the, to, to the website. So moving on to Colchester, quite right. Luke Norris, seven goals, three assists. Remarkable for a man who I think has only scored 46 goals in his entire career um, that he's found mm. a purple patch now. Um, I thought we'd be talking about Mikkel Mandron, a player who we were briefly linked with in uh, the summer, probably by one of those trashy websites, um, and who Peterborough had a bid put turned down for. Now, he's on the bench and he keeps coming off the bench, but he, he can't get a look in. Um, they've got Frank... Nubel, who played for Newport last year. Another player who I thought probably wouldn't be that effective, but he's having a very good season. Perfect foil for Norris, big man, little man. Middle of the mm-hmm. park, they've got Harry Pell, really nice midfielder, composed on the ball. Grimsby Town fan that I speak to on a regular basis um, said that he spent more time on the ground play acting last night than he did with his feet on the ball. Um, so again, there's a there's a, a variable there. But the, the one I really want to highlight, uh, is Sammy Samodic. Samodic? Samodic? Samodic. There we go. I, I don't know why I struggle talking these days. Samodic? Um, I will ask my, uh, I'll ask some Eastern European friends. Yes. Um, <laughs> wonderful footballer. Absolutely wonderful footballer. He's got such poise, grace. He's quick. He's got three assists. Colchester have got a threat all over the park. And if we struggle to contain the Carlisle side that have to play their leading centre-forward at centre-half, we're going to go to Colchester, who have got quality on the bench, they've got quality in the side. Um, coming away with, from this with a draw would be a good result. If we come away from this with a win, we will then have picked up eight points from four games, um, which would be a very good return if you forget the fact that we dropped points at home and won the ones away, this this is a this is a really stern test of our title credentials, no doubt. Mm. Yeah, I'm um, I am apprehensive is is probably the the uh, the biggest word that I can think to use um, about the weekend. It's uh, Obviously, it depends on who is fit, who's back, who's fully fit, who's you know who's not quite there. Um, yeah, I'm. Well, we need Shackling Frecklington back, don't we? We do. You know, there's no, there is absolutely no doubt about it. Um, it's uh, it, it's a. I mean, do, do we actually know what's what's up with, with Shackle at the minute? Well, I, I mean, and. Danny's very reticent in his press conferences to talk about injuries. And I mm. don't know, but I would imagine that the press have learned probably not to ask because of the element of surprise. I don't think he wants opposition teams to know who we're going to put out. And in this day and age of social media and, and the internet and all that sort of stuff, it's 
you, you can blow team news straight away. And managers that are too open kind of let you know they leave mm. themselves open basically. Um, so no, we don't we don't really know what's up. Frecklington, obviously, it was the knee injury picked up at Port Vale when he was fouled by the goalkeeper that Huxtable missed. Um, but I am reliably informed by uh, a friend of a friend that he is closing in on a return. I was told last night. So whether that will be this Saturday or not, you don't. I don't know. But we need him back, definitely. Yeah, um, I mean, I've I, sort of away from away from a few sources. I've I've heard similar things. I've heard you know that he's uh, he, he'd had. A little bit more good news um, than than has probably been publicly made aware of because I know there was a, a thing on the uh, on the on the club today on the, on the Twitter page and on the uh, on the Facebook page. So um, okay, so I think that's probably you know a, a good place to to leave the games. I think Colchester is going to be like you say the sternest test of of the season so far um, because simply because of the situation that we're in. Um, I'm hoping that the um, the, the you know the, the injury to Neil early isn't isn't very bad i think it was um actually yeah we'll, we'll touch on one more thing quickly on the on the uh, carlisle game um early went off james wilson came on um some people have asked me today why didn't gordon come on Kell- kellen gordon's a winger I've, I've he's not a right back in my opinion, uh, you look at the Derby County websites, look at match reports, he's an, he's an attacking player. And I also, I actually quite like James Wilson. And I think this these last three games, he's really proven his worth. He's played central midfield, he's played centre-half. Yeah, he's not a brilliant right full-back. You know, if Thirdly was out for six months or whatever, he'd do till January until we could bring somebody else in. But... I, if the, if there's people out there genuinely who believe again that James Wilson was the wrong choice to come on at right fullback yesterday, then I think they're looking too much at Championship Manager or Football Manager and and not at actual <laughs> football. You know, James Wilson might not be a right back, but aside from a lack of understanding with Harry Anderson, I thought he was more than competent in that role last night. Fair enough. Um, okay, so we will uh, we will move into the questions. Um, so we've we've had a few. Um, there's about three or four that focus on a, a similar a similar subject. So we'll start with the different one. Uh, this is from James Kitching on on Twitter. He said, uh, "Do people actually think that John Akindi is that bad, or do they just want someone to moan about like Green last season?" Um, a bloke behind me thought that Reed was the worst player ever until he was replaced by Kinney. Then all he wanted was Reed back on last night. I think you've got a very succinct way of putting this one. Yeah, I'm not talking about it anymore. Fair enough. I mean, I you know, I'll I'll sort of fill in the blanks a little bit. Just go on the blog and read the post. It's I I, I can't believe that we're sitting here. Or well, I'm sitting here because you're refusing to talk about it. Um, sitting here, having to defend a striker or a player yet again. We are top of the table. John Akindi has five goals. What's the problem? The, the the biggest thing that keeps getting thrown at me at the minute is, oh, he's only he's only scored one from open play. So- did I did I miss the column? In in the league table where it says goals from open play and that they count double, 
have I missed that or or am I just being a little bit facetious and saying, well, it doesn't matter how they go in. It doesn't matter whether they're from open play or a penalty or a free kick or a goal kick that goes horribly, you know, gets caught up in the wind. Or if a pigeon knocks, you know, if it knocks into a pigeon and deflects in, who cares how they go in? I'll the tell you what, I'll day, break my silence. I'll go on, I'll let you go first. As I was say, at the end of the day, he's coming on. And last night, I thought he had a cracking game. You know, I'm not going to say in spite of everything that's going on, because there are, you know, there are extenuating circumstances with, with John at the moment is, you know, he's got issues with his, you know, with, with on the family side of it. And we wish him all the best with that. You know, I don't think anyone would, would begrudge us on that one, but to come on and to run into the channels, you know, he, he, he just personally, I think he did really well last night and he was unlucky not to get a goal. He forced a really good save from the Carlisle keeper towards the end, and he was denied a Stonewall penalty. So I, I just think people expect him to score every time he touches the ball. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen. It doesn't happen in this level. It doesn't happen at any level. All right. You look at, you know, Jaden Stockley's got, what, eight now? Is it eight or nine? John O'Kindy's got five. All right. He's four behind him. So why not instead? Of, I, I just don't understand this obsession with. Lincoln City fans of sitting there and going, things are going well, almost too well. I know. Let's rip the piss out of a player. Ooh, so just, spare, sweary Ben. We said no more. That's a mild swear. You know that that'd get away at, on TV at eight o'clock. I'm I'm allowed that one. Um, I'll make one comment. You know, I just, we were we were asked another question. It's actually come through while we've been on air, so to speak, and it's from Craig Robertson, who's a controversial figure, but he's got a Lincoln City at heart, and we differ on a lot of things. And he said, not being facetious. As John Akindi isn't the prolific goal scorer that we signed in the summer, do we still need to sign a prolific goal scorer in January? Um, Lincoln City goals for this season, 30. Next highest goals for 29. Colchester, they're in fifth. Uh, next highest, 25. Exeter City, that's five goals behind us and uh, four points behind us. So uh, in my opinion right now, no. Next question, Ben. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get off that subject before I, I go off on one again. Um, so, uh, right. I'll say there's a, there's a couple that are kind of the same. So the, uh, the first one was from, uh, from Adam leader who said, uh, did last, did last night's issues of a sellout yet a thousand below capacity with the time to enter the ground, a lack of stewards and no water, etc., put a nail in the coffin of the option to remain at Sinsel bank. Um, and then there's a couple more on there. Uh, Andy Pearson says, is the match day experience suffering as a result of the imp success, such as stewarding, turnstiles, communication, and atmosphere? Um, and there's another one from Piers as well that says, do the club need to seriously look at progressing any thoughts, plans for moving stadium as after the events of last night? I can only see short-term fixes with the current infrastructure. And I'm aware that's sort of three questions at once, but to be honest, it, it's kind of all pointing at the same thing um, with the, you know, the, the brief, Aside of, of you know, do we remain at Sinsel Bank now? Your opinions on that? Because I know, I think we, you know, we, we briefly spoke before we we started recording, and you said that you didn't notice or you, you got there quite early to 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 miss a lot of the issues that were happening outside the ground. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I was we were actually at the ground very very early last night. I think we arrived at the ground at six o'clock due to. Um, well, basically due to me getting all the timings wrong when we left the pub. Um, so <laughs> I got to see the growth of numbers from six till kind of seven. And then I, I 
people going into the ground. Um, I didn't see any problems with queuing. I understand there were problems with queuing. Um, friends with Andy Pearson as well, so certainly not being critical. I just wonder if when there's a sellout and it's 9,000 people going into the ground that you know, it might be worth kind of turning up at half an hour before kickoff. I don't know the specifics, um, but it doesn't mask the fact that there are infrastructure problems with Sintel Bank and, and those um, remainers uh, who, who obviously want to remain at the bank have kind of got to face facts. Um, the fan experience hasn't suffered, in my opinion, depending on what the fan experience is. Um you know, my fan experience, so to speak, of, of the National League is turning up at the centre spot or the Travis Perkins or whatever it's called at half half an hour before kickoff and being able to get a drink, sit down, drink it, and then go into the ground. Now, well, there's thousands of fans. There's, there's people milling about in the fan zone. There's music on. There's interviews on. There's, there's stuff happening. So in that respect, the fan experience has improved depending on what type of fan you are. I think if you're the type of fan that likes to kind of have a drink in the pub and with, with the lads, not really interested in the fan zone, make their way up to the ground, you know, 15 minutes before you're due to go in, it's changed, sadly. Um, it Would it be any better if we moved grounds? Possibly. More turnstiles. I, I heard that there was they were struggling to get people through, which is unacceptable. Heard some horror stories about stewards not helping out when people are sat in the wrong seats. Um, and again, unacceptable. Some of the stewards are very, very good. I mean, Mez Chapel, who works on the steward, uh, works on the gate. I normally go in long-standing steward, does a very good job. Um, too many stewards mm-hmm. not moving people on from yellow areas at half time, preventing um, grass from the stadium. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's too many that stand with their hands in their pockets, happy to pick up whatever we pay them. Um, but in terms of is it a final nail in the coffin, uh, just to wrap up my kind of view on it, I don't think it's a final nail in the coffin. I just think that it is a circumstance that has to be noted that you know it was a sellout crowd with a thousand empty seats. Let's be fair, you know we got ten thousand one hundred against Macclesfield. That was a sellout. There was nine thousand one hundred last night. That was a sellout. Don't take a genius to work out that there was a thousand empty seats. You put another thousand on that gate, you know, another five hundred or four hundred people trying to get a drink at half time, and we're at bursting point. And it's not about fifteen thousand capacity stadium; it's about people moving freely around the stadium, and that's where the real issue lies. Yeah, um, the I had an issue. I mean, I got there about twenty past, quarter past, um, and I went straight into the ground last night, and. We were stood there and we said, right, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to go and grab a bottle of water, you know, so sat there, stood in the queue, thought, okay, eh, you know, it's not too far from the front. I'll be done in a couple of minutes. And more than 10 minutes later, I finally got to the point where the guy had served me. And normally, you know, we've, we've been critical of the, of the food staff before. Um, it did seem to very briefly improve, but the guy didn't have anybody at the side of him whereas previously what's happened is you've told them what you want um they go okay cool the person next to them goes and gets it while the person who's taken the order then takes the next order puts a little bit of efficiency in it last night the guy you know i'm not i'm not having a go at him in any way shape or form but honestly last night it was just one of those moments where i was thinking ah this is not going to go well he was he, he took my order said right literally just want two bottles of water please that's it Okay, right. Took my money, counted it all out, put it in the uh, put it in the tray. Turned around, walked off, got two bottles of water, took them out of the thing, put them on the side, 
very slowly undid the bottle tops, put them very carefully on the side, very very slowly undid the bottle top on the next one, very slowly on the side, then realised, oh, I need to put them in the bin, pick one up, walked over to the bin bag, put it in, walked back, walked over, picked it up, walked back over to the bin bag, put it in, walked back over, grabbed my two bottles, walked back, put them on the counter and I walked off. But that is a process that could be done in 20 seconds. And here you are making it last two minutes. I just think there are there, there are obvious problems top to bottom at the moment when it comes to the ground being full. It's not an issue that we could have dreamed of two and a half years ago, but we're here now. And a Tuesday night game against Carlisle, which I must say, fair play to the Carlisle fans that travelled last night, because whoever scheduled a midweek game against Carlisle United for a 360-mile round trip, they probably want to take a look at themselves. Um, But honestly, I just thought last night it was really frustrating because I was, you know, I I got there in the queue and by the time I'd left the queue, the queue had gone from three or four people deep to it was now touching the back of the stand and there were about three or four queues and they were all the same and they just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, I know that it's it's easy to sit here and go, well, just get more staff in. You know, I don't know whether they didn't think it was going to be busy, but I don't know what the solution is. I'm, you know, fortunately, I'm not paid to do that. I'm not paid to think about that. I'm a paying customer and I want a decent experience at a match. And at the moment, like you say, with the fan zone, I think things have gotten better in the fan zone. You know, um, the club have listened to what people have had to say about that. And there are now spaces where you can get a cold beer outside or a cold drink outside. The fan zone's grown. You know that they've they've expanded it, um, and now I think that that's genuinely an enjoyable um, place to be before a game even starts. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms of the, the the stuff that you know, I've I've heard the same stuff about the stewards last night, and some of it is unforgivable. It is inexcusable. You know, Saturday and last night. I know I've had rants about it before. I know I've had a bit of a joke about it before. But last night and Saturday. Took me ten minutes to get out of the ground on Saturday. Seven. That's what it's got to take you. You got to be able to evacuate Sinsel Bank within seven minutes, um, and apparently it, it's it's doable. It has been done. Um, I did. I, I raised it at the supporters board, and and Liam has said that they have timed um, people starting to leave the ground uh, to it being empty, and it is under seven minutes. I'd argue that people leave before kickoff, uh, before the final whistle. Rather, I would. I would. I'd, I would like to show him what I what I thought initially was live video footage of people leaving the ground, but no, I'd actually just taken a photograph. Um, it was it was horrendous on Saturday. It really was um, to the point where the guy who sits next to me um, was was getting as angry as I have sounded on previous podcasts. Um, and I think the words "just effing move" were were yelled at one point. Um, it's ridiculous, and it it genuinely did take me more than ten minutes to get out of the ground on Saturday. It was it, it was painful, you know. I, I I had places to be, and I thought to myself, I could have probably gone could have gone a minute earlier, but no, I wanted to see the I wanted to see the completion of the game. It's a good point um, you made there because people get criticised for leaving early, but in actual fact, if I leave one minute before the whistle goes. I can be back in my house uh, in the idyllic setting of the Lincolnshire Wolds um, within hmm. 35 to 40 minutes. Uh, if I wait until five minutes after the final whistle has gone to applaud Danny and Nikki, it will take me over an hour to get back. 
Um, sometimes, mm. uh, sometimes it can be an hour and 10, an hour and 15. So I even didn't park near the ground yesterday, but it's all infrastructure. It's all, you know, two, three walkways trying to get 5,000 people out of a ground, uh, two or three abreast. It, the ground wasn't built for this amount. You know, the, the stand wasn't built for 5,000 people to get in and out. It was built for 5,000 people to sit in um, uncomfortably, I might add. Yeah. Seats were a little bit too close together. So, yeah, you know, I've got some top tips. I know we're coming to the end of the podcast soon, but I've got some top tips for people um, wanting to improve their match day experience. Tip number one, um, if, if you're not drinking beer, this is, of course, if you're drinking soft drinks, buy them on the way up to the ground, keep them in your bag and drink them in while you're in the fan zone because you, you can't get a drink easily in the fan zone. Um, and those that do want to drink beer shouldn't be forced to stand and wait behind the likes of me who are on some sort of health kick going, no, no, Coke's loads better. Um, <laughs> top tip two, try and get in the ground half an hour before kickoff, pure and simple. Don't turn up at 10 minutes to go because if everybody does that, you're going to be queued. We know what Sinsel Bank is like. There are two turnstiles per gate. There are, what, four gates all the way along. So what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, so eight people at a time can get through, and there's five thousand people going into that bit of the stand. Do the maths. If two and a half thousand of those wait until ten minutes before kickoff, you've got two and a half thousand people going through eight at a time. It's gonna take time. And that's not a criticism, Andy, if you're listening, it's not a criticism whatsoever. I'm not having a go. These are just harsh realities. Sinsel Bank was not built to have ten thousand people in it. Even if there's ten thousand seats there, there's areas of the ground that are not good enough. And one last thing, top tip for the stewards, in between the corner of the Stacey West and the, if you want people to get in and out of that fan zone, open both gates because I swear there was a crush in there on Saturday where you were just carried along because they wouldn't open one of the gates. There was only one gate open and it was, you get an awful lot of people trying to go out there and it was actually, I felt a little bit of a safety risk. So there's my three top tips. Over to you. I mean that that is that is horrifying to hear. You know, it's we've all you know we're all very much aware of, of the potential dangers of crushes and all the rest of it. But it was. Open, I mean, it was opened when I went back out, and I'm told last night it wasn't open, and somebody asked the steward to do so, and the steward replied, "I'm not in charge of the gates." So, which I mean, you know, they may not have been, but like, what what is what is the in my opinion, you know, what's the risk of, of opening those gates? What is the what's the harm in doing that? At the end of the game, you open as many gates as you can to get people out of the ground. Mm-hmm. That's the logic in it. I don't understand why that wasn't done. But anyway, I don't want to sit here and just completely slate the club. But one more top tip, actually, for stewards, if you're listening. End of the game, watch the crowd. That's what you're paid to do. The guy at the bottom of our, our row of steps on Saturday... Instead of watching the crowd and, and trying to shuffle people along, was lent over the lent over the ban- uh, lent over the railing, watching the watching the pitch. I'm like you're not paid to do that, mate. Just try and you know do your job, get everyone out the sa- out the stadium safely and quickly. That's that's the most important thing. Anyway, um, we're getting on for for nearly an hour, uh, so I think we probably better wrap it up. Um, this has been episode ten. I mean, that's it's flown by, hasn't it? Really. It has flown by as well. Yeah, considering that we were only going to do one every two weeks, I'm hoping that tonight's rather sombre and morose um, outpouring of anger at a team three points clear at the top of League Two doesn't put people off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it is it's it is a frustration, but like you say, 
we didn't lose. You know, we, we've not lost a game now for a while. And I think the thing is, it's very easy to sit and look at the negatives, which I think, to be fair, we've done because we're just in bad moods. But at the end of it, we're top of the league. We've scored more goals than most teams in the Football League. We've won more games than most teams in the Football League. So there isn't really a whole lot to complain about on paper. But as we know, football's more about what's just written on paper. Um, so I think it's probably about time to wrap it up. But um, we've got some exciting news, haven't we? I'm pregnant. <laughs> you no, as well. No, sorry. It's been like that for the last 10 years. It's a, it's a beer baby. Um, or not, actually, because you don't drink. That's, uh, I just realised that. I just remember that. Um, yeah, the exciting news. Next week, um, as well as our regularly scheduled podcast on Thursday, um, we have done a little bit of talking behind the scenes and we've, we've got a little bit of a, got a little bit of a coup. Uh, next week, we are heading to speak to Mr. Lincoln City himself, uh, Alan Long. So Alan is joining us live on a podcast. Um, and as well as Alan, we are also going to be joined by Captain Fantastic, Lee Frecklington. Wow. So that's so, episodes 11 and 12 next week then, is it? It's good going. I think it might be, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to obviously um, get that recorded and, and posted. Um it might be a case of, I mean, we may even do the, the podcast a day early next week, um, so. depending on, depending on, you know, what the regular podcast might be a little bit early, depending on, on what our schedules line up to be. But uh, we, we are aiming to have two podcasts next week. So we, we're going to have um, the regular one, as I say, and then we're going to have a, a little bit of a sit down with, with Alan and Lee. Um, so send us some questions. If you've got something that you want to, you know, something that's been been burning away that you want to ask uh, Alan or Lee send us them on Twitter uh, or you know via Facebook or wherever you know us or you know even if you see I don't think we've got a game at home before then so yeah if, if, you, if you if you've got a way of getting in contact with us uh, chuck us questions and what we'll do is we'll 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 select the best ones and uh, somehow manage to slot them into our conversation but I'm really looking forward to it I just want to say thank you to to Alan and everyone at the club that's that's been able to kind of make this uh, make this opportunity available, and thank you to Lee as well. You know, the first time I uh, the first time I, I spoke to him, um, I kind of you know was was a little bit a uh, little bit fanboy, but uh, managed to quell my my excitement a little bit. And I said, you know, we're doing we're doing the, the fans, you know, like a, a podcast, um, and would you be interested in coming on it? And without dropping a beat, he said, oh yeah, absolutely, I'm that'd be amazing. So. Thank you ever so much for that. And uh, we are, you know, we're looking to get that recorded next week um, and hopefully live before the game. But we'll we'll obviously see what the timings line up with, with that one. So, and hopefully that's going to be the first of many. Um, you know, we've we've obviously got a lot to, to think about there, but um, it's a bit of a coup, isn't it? I'm, I'm quite excited about this. Nice, good work. I mean, I, I thank you because I've, sat around twiddling my beard while you've sorted it all out. Um, so again, you know, yeah, it is. I'm quite excited about it. I've got a few things I'd like to discuss with Lee, which I, I don't think are suitable for the conversation to have with the match day program. And it'll be interesting to try and get a, a response on one or two <laughs> issues from the past that I'd like to talk about. Um, and obviously there's going to be an opportunity for him to talk about Steve Evans. And I wonder if we can coax, coax an answer out of him. Very professional though, Lee. Oh, 
school that you know are we gonna have to put a uh, are we gonna have to put a disclaimer for sweary lee i i don't think so because i think that he'll be <laughs> i think he'll be professional i think alan and i may even roll out a couple of kind of mascot announcer type stories that we always roll out whenever we're at these um dinners which which i'm actually at tomorrow i'm actually at the legends dinner or tonight as it is oh, uh, as you're listening to this so i've also just noticed on my window ledge that two of the four cacti i own uh, are very phallic Well, there we go. I think that's a that's a perfect spot to leave uh, this week's podcast. Thank you for joining me, Gary, and thank you for joining us, everybody. Um, we'll see you next week for, as I say, two uh, two episodes, one regular and one hopefully very special discussion. See you next week. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.